hello, hello, and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, the ballad continues. This week, Steve discusses the rise of the phrase, dropping some new music, to describe that deeply personal and vulnerable moment when a songwriter lets their creation loose to the world. Kev tells us of the weekend he accidentally became a boatswain on a ship on the border of Portugal and Spain. And the bishop, that's me, I give an insight into my favourite track from The Long Road's new EP, Moonshine Elegy. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. I'm Chris the Bish Leiden. Welcome to the podcast, Brave Adventurers. Uh, I don't quite know how, but it's edging towards the uh, the middle of May. The sun is shining, although we can't really enjoy it much right now. But when we do get to go outside, it's nice to feel the, the sun on your face, gentle breeze in the air, and all those other delightful springtime stereotypes. Um, huge thanks to those of you who joined us last Friday night for our first lockdown live event on Facebook. Uh, we managed to bring together me uh, and Steve Bonham, the Vagabond Philosopher, and Kev, the Big Man Moore, each from our own homes uh, via the power of video conferencing uh, uh, with some live music from Steve, uh, our pre-recorded live music videos uh, from our new EP tracks uh, and some chat. Uh, and with the audience, uh, it, was, it was great. After a slightly rocky start, everything seemed to work out pretty well. Um, for a first attempt at actually quite a complicated setup from a technical point of view, uh, we, were, we were quite pleased. Um, you can see the live video on our Facebook page. Just search um, The Vagabond Way uh, and you'll find it, warts and all. Um even if lockdown itself is starting to gently ease across Europe, our industries, you know, theatres, music venues, etc., they're still going to be feeling the effects of this for many months to come. So, so live streaming is still going to be a, um, a way forward for fans to to hear their favourite artists. I mean, us at the Long Road, we're up for experimenting with different ways of doing it. Um, experiment number one was done, tick. Um, and the results of that will feed into how we do experiment number two and, and so on. A reminder, our new EP, Moonshine Elegy, is out there now. If you visit our website, thevagabondway.net, you'll find everything you need. Uh, the music videos are right there, links to Spotify to listen to them, um, or Apple Music to purchase if you so wish. Alongside the EP release, we've been doing various bits of press and interviews. Just keep an eye on the Vagabond Way page on Facebook and you'll be able to see any bits and bobs there to keep informed and entertained. Uh, Kev's actually going to be on Radio Derby tomorrow morning, Saturday the 9th of May 2020 at 10.30am UK time, if you want to tune in for that. It's not specifically about the long road stuff, but you know, Kev's going to be on the radio, nice to support him on that. Uh, And also don't forget our song from the end of last year, Wrapped Up In You, is up for a UK Country Music Award 2020, presented by UKCountryRadio.com, and we need you to vote for it. So please go to UKCountryMusicAwards.com slash song to vote for Wrapped Up In You. Uh, It's in the the list there under Steve Bonham. And just one more thing before we get on to some music. Last Friday also saw the launch of our biggest endeavour to date, I suppose, um, and we want you to be part of it. So join us as a vagabonder through patreon.com slash thevagabondway, uh, and you'll get to help shape the journey we're on. Give us feedback on ideas for songs and sketches, get behind-the-scene tidbits and exclusive patron-only gifts. Patreon is an easy way for you to be able to support the artists you love, so check it out, patreon.com slash thevagabondway. 
Thank you to the vagabonders who have already joined us on the journey. Genuinely, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you are going to make a difference. take this week just to focus on one track from our new EP, Moonshine Elegy. Um, this track, I think, even if I really, really had to choose, is my favourite from this particular EP. Um, as, as an aside, I really don't know what will happen come the end of this year when, inevitably, we'll be doing a roundup. you know, look back at the year and someone somewhere, probably me, will ask that fated question, so, which track is your favourite from all the new songs in the last year? And Honestly, it's going to be so hard to choose. We'll have, um, you know, we'll have fifteen new songs all released by the end of twenty twenty. Um, at least, uh, <laughs> uh, and each of them holds a, a different special place in our hearts. So it will be really hard to choose that. But luckily for now, I don't have to make that choice. Um, I can feel that question just sitting there on the horizon, waiting quietly. Um, I think my favourite track on this EP is Ballad of Duane and Billy Marie. Um, the, the sounds, the world it evokes, I always go on about this with our music, but the landscapes, it just it creates a picture in my head. Um, you know, in classical terms, I mean, actually, I suppose it started in the Romantic era, really, but people would call it, you know, pictorialism, or in longer forms, you know, tone poems or symphonic poems. Now, okay, we don't have a hundred-piece symphony orchestra blasting out the imagery of, you know, the Alps, starting at dawn, finishing at dusk, uh, like our old pal Richard Strauss did a hundred years ago. Um, interesting side fact here, fact fans, a recording of Strauss's Alpine Symphony by the Berlin Philharmonic was the first classical recording to be pressed onto CD back in 1981. Um, anyway, um, but through our artisan acoustic instruments, uh, you know, made of wood and wire, gut and steel and skin we make our own our own musical landscape the the world that's in our heads the starry skies floating above the dusty paths underfoot um the questions floating through our minds the characters minds the passage of time the gentle stumbling through life i suppose musically ballad of duane and billy marie is relatively simple you know it's a handful of chords Nods to various other musical genres. Um, a friend of mine listening to it recently said, oh, it's got some, some Pink Floyd vibes in there, hasn't it? Um, I also note some nods to Elbow, instrumentally and vocally. I could see Guy, Guy Garvey having a, a crack at this. I could also happily imagine doing a version of this, you know, probably an extended version of this, to some chilled-out sunset crowd at a festival, whenever festivals start happening again. Maybe one day, who knows? Um, there are a few moments which are actually musically, you know, from my point of view, bless me, um, fascinating if you break them down. Um, it's one of those things which you just you probably don't hear it necessarily as a, a casual listener. Um, certainly, in fact, Stephen Kev had no idea this was going on. Really, they just were they were just feeling it. Um, the section with the with the the lyrics, the old black bear and the creaking pine, that was the bit that we call the chorus. Um, it's actually a bit of a bugger to sing, really. Um, the the chords are doing one thing, but the melody is pitched one step out from the chords um which makes for an interesting challenge to a learn that melody but then also to harmonize to it i mean as i say probably as a casual listener you don't necessarily notice but it did take some careful handling to make sure that it all gelled together i also in this song love the intensity that you get drawn into almost without having realized it by the time we get to you know the bit that we call the the middle eight two-thirds of the way through the song um 
a series of questions in the in the in the lyrics um and i just love the step up there it it takes you to a different place for a few moments there um but then it lets you back down gently enough rambling from me please headphones on eyes closed comfy seat please enjoy the ballad of Dwayne and billy marie from long road's new ep moonshine elegy
again on The Long Road Revealed. We step back into the archives. We get there eventually. Stick with us. Um, before that, Steve talks about a, a very modern phenomenon. Um, I'll let him explain in due course. The song that Steve gives us at the end of this little section um, is an old favourite. And actually probably one of the very first that I learnt to play along with Steve and our old friend Tim 20 years ago. Um, I remember being sat in Tim's kitchen and we were learning a bunch of songs. I, th- I think, I think there was... I think there was a tape recorder going. I think, that, yeah, um, and somehow eventually I transferred the, the the tape recording onto a computer at some point, um, and we went through this song that Steve from the place, um, which has multiple names. Um, I probably learnt it originally as Machiavelli and I, and I hadn't even really heard of Machiavelli at that point. I was like, "What is this sound you're making, Machiavelli and I?" Uh, it's also called Somewhere in the Blue, as Steve calls it today. Um, it's been called If That's The Way It Is, which are the, the words in the chorus. Um, and that's just three of the names it's had. Steve and I have recorded this song several times with various people in various forms. Um, there's a sort of slow, gentle, ballady version. Uh, there's also, lurking out there somewhere, an upbeat, almost almost sort of big band version um, back in the, the Dr. Big Love days. Um, I, think, I think the most recent recording was with our dear friend Sammy Carter uh, on her album from a few years ago which is called The Woodworm Sessions. It's sort of a, a it's a gentle, folky, but it's still an upbeat version, actually. We didn't want it to go too slow. It's, it's quite upbeat, but still folky. Um, actually, that's available on iTunes and Spotify. If you just search for Sammy Carter, um, The Woodworm Sessions is what the album's called. There's 11 great tracks with some fantastic musicians on there. Anyway, um, back to now. I'm going to hand you over to Steve. Do you know, one of the things I, I really, really loving is the way almost all the the musicians in in the world are putting stuff out there on uh, social media, playing live concerts, just joining in a kind of mad dance of creativity. It's absolutely fantastic, except uh, I do have a problem with one bit of it. Why are people now dropping songs? Or even entire albums are being dropped I mean, you don't drop babies and you don't drop b- bottles of Jack Daniels. So why would why would you drop a song? I mean, is it drop like an apple falling out the sky and hitting you on the back of the head or, or, or rain making you unexpectedly wet? OK, I, I guess I'm an old timer and perhaps even a curmudgeon, but well, it's it's like in my world, unfortunately people die. They don't pass as if they were faster travellers on the road of life. Language must change and grow, I I get that, but this this does seem redundant. Songs don't grow like apples on trees and then fall to earth, presumably to get bruised and eaten by insects and rodents. Except that might be quite a good metaphor for some of the larger organisations in the music industry. Heaven knows, I've written a lot of songs. One or two of them are quite good, I think. Some of them are rubbish, and some of them are plain ugly. But what I have learned is that songwriting is a craft. It requires inspiration, skill, careful consideration, a process of refinement, frustration, and sometimes even a little heartbreak as you look at the clumsy thing in front of you and compare it to the perfection in your head. Any songwriter knows, whatever they say publicly, 
that often a little bit of themselves, an intensely private bit of themselves, is revealed when a song is heard by others. Maybe we use the word drop to try and sound casual or cool, a kind of hand-on-hip wave, say, oh, this little thing, I ran it up yesterday before I put the garbage out and took the dog for a walk. I happen to believe songwriting is a form of art and craft, like painting and pottery and bread-making and sculpture, and whilst we're on the subject, brewing. We should honour it as such. Don't drop your songs. They're precious. This idea of creating a song as a form of craft came to me later on. Like I guess we all songwriters start. It is a pretty spontaneous, almost coughing up of a song when you're young. You, you, you can write three or four in the afternoon. But later on, you, later on for me at least, it, it really struck me I had to think about what I was doing and inspiration wasn't a part of it. And so I can actually identify one of the first songs which I did, which was crafted. You know, it took me two or three months to write. Well, clearly not eight hours a day, five days a week or seven days a week. But it was something I kept returning to and changing and letting it evolve. And... um, some ways, I always think of it as my, my first proper song. It's called Somewhere in the Blue. And I wrote it a long time ago now. And it has bits of in it which are just, where did that come from, inspiration. The line about standing next to Machiavelli, skimming stones onto a lake, that's, God knows where that came from. I mean, I, don't, I can't think about that. But the rest of it, I took time and polished. So, here is a song I dropped a while ago. Machiavelli and I Threw stones across the water Took to the fairs of the heart The prince and the pauper Told him of the way things stood I'd fight dream or fly if I could And I don't know if I'm up, don't know if I'm down Head full of plans like a merry-go-round And he said, oh, if that's the way it is I was still in love with you That's the way it is I was still in love with you Lying alone in my bed Painting my life on the ceiling It's a piece of distracted art Counterpoint to my feelings Coming apart at the seams Things make a hole only in dreams Don't know if I'm right, don't know if I'm wrong Love makes you weak when you've gotta be strong He said Oh, if that's the way it is I'm still in love with you 
that's the way it is I'm still in love with you Stormbound tied up to the key Moored up with a cargo of chances Waiting on an African wind Watching the girl as she dances Sketching a moment of you the clouds touch the sun and you vanished from you Somewhere in the wine, somewhere in the blue Is everything I'd want and everything I'd do And she said That's the way it is I'm still in love with you That's the way it is We're still in love with you If that's the way it is We're still in love with you Hello everybody and welcome once again to Kev's Cafe Corner. Another week, another podcast and uh, another destination for me on my trek around the world visiting various establishments serving food and drink. And this week we're going to visit Portugal and a very small place by the name of Barca d'Alva which is sort of situated on the banks of the river Duero which forms a border between Spain and Portugal and is famed for the various wines that are made from the grapes that grow on the banks either side of this great river. It's an incredibly navigable river. Uh, The large uh, river cruise ships travel along it all the way from Porto, I believe, and uh, there's a point where I think two rivers meet around this uh, area, Barca de Alva, and these huge river ships can actually turn in this place and manoeuvre and sort of reverse and then head back the way they came. So it's a fascinating place. Trundling through there in a motorhome some years ago, uh, it seemed like a good place to stop. When when you're in a motorhome, you sort of get a vibe for where you can probably get, with a bit of luck, free electricity. And often it's by the riverside where there's facilities for boats etc and this place was just a job and parked up there in the in the car park various vehicles started to arrive throughout the day and they were very interesting vehicles too and they were bringing some incredibly interesting boats and it suddenly began to dawn on me that there was a huge occasion taking place quite by accident that I was there at the same time and it was the International Powerboat Championships, of which there were competitors from all over the world. And I befriended two English teams. One of them consisted of two or three people, and the other one was a sole entrant uh, by the name of Brian, I think his, his name was. I've forgotten his, his surname, sadly. Um, but he relied on the kindness of strangers, really, to um, help him compete as he was on his own. And they're rather large, these boats. He had a magnificent Union Jack powerboat. 
and I became his crew basically for the weekend, which was an incredible experience, having never done anything like that remotely before. And it was just superb to watch this amazing competition take place on the wide stretch of water that is the Duero. And Barca de Alva itself is really an unremarkable place. It's, it's just a small village that's grown up where there's a river crossing. And it really, to my memory, only boasted one cafe, and that was the one that I would sit in and watch the proceedings. Um, a very typically Portuguese building, white stucco walls with a, a lean-to sort of canopy covering the terrace, but very very badly roofed, so it uh, allowed a, a beautiful sun-dappled effect on all the chairs and tables as you sat there, serving rather nice ice cream, if I remember, and um, a rather nice uh, cup of Portuguese coffee. It was an incredibly fun and relaxing few days spent in a, in a place that really I'd stumbled upon quite by accident. And I had a, a lot of nice experiences in Portugal with, uh, with cafes, and it did cause me at the time to address my caffeine habit and create this, to be frank, abomination of a song, really, entitled <laughs> The Coffee Cup Mambo. I would say enjoy, but perhaps endure is a better word. Oh, 
Well, that's quite enough of that. There you go, coffee cup mambo, inspired by my time drinking in cafes in Portugal, and in particular, the one I mentioned there at Barca d'Alva. If you get a chance to visit the place, particularly when they have the powerboat championships on, then it's well worth your time. See you next week. Kev showing uncharacteristic British modesty there. I thoroughly enjoyed his coffee cup member, and I'm sure there's plenty of those listening who did today too. Um, just goes to show the, the versatility hidden deep in the, the seams of creativity in the minds of the long road. Something a little bit different there. Um, I shall add Barca de Alva to my list of places to, to visit. Um, I've only been to Portugal once a couple of summers ago, just for a few days in Lisbon, um, sort of on a whim. Um, delightful place loved it looking forward to heading back there one day um we've got friends who who swear by their regular holiday jaunt to porto as well uh, it's another place that's on my on my list perhaps one day we need a special podcast where the topic is life on the ocean waves now it seems that kev has a, a nautical past although albeit perhaps for only a weekend uh, steve certainly has captained his own frigate across the mediterranean in the past a few times um i have zero sailing history as far as i can recall the closest I've probably been is, you know, controlling one of those remote control speedboats at a theme park somewhere. Kev and I do, though, share a love of motorhomes. Uh, I long for the day where I can just hop in a motorhome and jaunt around the place at my leisure, uh, which I know Kev has been able to do, uh, is a huge fan of in the past. Um, and in fact, all three of us think about it, me, Kev and Steve, we were in a motorhome just, um, just over a year ago when we did our tour of Germany. Uh, we somehow managed to squeeze in all of our gear for a three-piece band, we have a remarkable amount of gear um, and ourselves uh, for a, a seven days or eight days, whatever it was, um, driving from the UK to Germany and back. Uh, and actually, we came out the other side relatively unscathed. I think there was only one brief accidental trip to Poland. Um, unintentional entirely. We just sort of went the wrong way late at night one night. Um, think about it. Maybe there's another special podcast right there. Anyway, more from Kev next time. Most important fact for this week's The Bishop's Daily Bread, I have managed to track down some flour, thank goodness. Um, so this week I've been I've been making some pizza dough again, uh, which I think I'm just about getting the hang of. Uh, still, you know, there's basically always going to be experimentation going on, um, particularly with the cooking method. I've tried, you know, on a, on a preheated tray, I've tried in a, in a big old pan, which has been preheated in the oven, um, just baking it, sometimes preheating the oven... Uh, and then switching it to a grill as soon as the pizza's in. Various successes and failures to, to ruminate on there. This week also saw me making my first brioche. I mean, it's fairly blimmin' decadent. It's two-fifths butter, as far as I can work out. Um, but it it was delicious in taste, texture, smell, everything. Um, the dough is very weird to work with, though. It's, like, it's super slack. Like, you'd call it wet... But then when you actually handle it, it does hold itself together. It's it's very weird. The recipe I was using called for it to go into what I guess a lot of people would call a normal-sized loaf tin. I mean, I always thought they were a bit small, to be honest. Not by much, just, you know, a bit. They need to be 
like 15, 20% bigger, but, you know, what do I know? I did buy a few weeks ago that, uh, basically a double size loaf tin for nice big farmhouse-style loaves, and it does work well for that. Anyway, the recipe said, divide the dough into seven balls. Okay. Um, and, and put them in what what I think is too small a tin. And it's seven balls. I just couldn't quite work out why seven balls. I mean, I could have ignored the instruction for sure, but uh, I went with it. You know, seven fairly equal-sized balls went into the tray. Um, it didn't really make sense. Well, final proof, then an egg wash, and then bake. And boy, oh boy, there were some flashbacks to that Woody Allen movie. Um, you know, that film Sleeper I mentioned months ago now. This brioche turned out, well, there's no other word for it, bulbous. It actually did. It did bake all the way through fine. But there were some bits bulging from the top and over the side that were, you know, almost as wide as the main loaf was itself. It looked ridiculous. It was hilarious. I had a good old chuckle to myself when I was bringing it out of the oven. Um, but to be fair, it did taste delish. Um, the texture was great. Um, I was very pleased for a first attempt at a, a properly enriched dough. This week I've also done a quick batch of bread rolls. Uh, you know, very simple dough, flour, water, yeast, salt, uh, just a few knobs of butter. Um, still battling with the old crunch issue, how to get really deliciously crunchy outside. But these were a, a fine contribution to my to my baking canon, if you like. Now the flour is back and back in stock for a bit. Um, I have the next problem: yeast supplies are running low of my fast action yeast. Um, I've still got, I've still got some of the active dry, which is you know still a mysterious difference to me. But there you go. Um, but I've hopefully managed to source some fast-action yeast online, and that will sort me out for a bit. I don't know, perhaps I'm due a return to some sort of platted loaf, something a bit more complicated. Or perhaps it's time to go, you know, push the boundaries even further and try some, some something with a lamination, perhaps. I do love a good croissant. Mm, time will tell. <laughs> There we go. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, please remember to subscribe to this podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, all over the place. The next episode will be out next Friday, Friday the 15th of May, 2020. Let us know what you think. Tell us what you think about our shows, our music. Um, find us on Facebook, The Vagabond Way. Um, it's the best way. That's our main social media channel. Check out our YouTube page as well, youtube.com slash The Vagabond Way. Go to thevagabondway.net to sign up to our mailing list. It only comes out every quarter, so it's no bombardment to your inbox. Don't forget, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, uh, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder, that's our name for our supporters on Patreon, to help us create music, live performances, books, short stories, this weekly podcast, and some new things we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive livestream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with a long road. Bye for now. Music